Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One. Just a reminder, this is still the Spooktober Spooktacular. I know there hasn't been a lot of the Spooktober man part of th that equation, and frankly, we're grateful, so don't question it too much. Just lean into the Halloween vibe and don't question it. There will definitely not be anything like that later in this episode. This is a podcast where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and hopefully don't get attacked by monsters. It's the end of the month. Who knows what'll happen? I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and I'm preparing for the worst. And I'm your other host, Liam, and ever the optimist, I'm preparing for the best. And to balance us out, we have brought on a guest who may or may not fall in the middle of that um, sliding scale of optimism, pessimism, but he is somebody who you may remember from having a terrible bout of American Pinea, and that is our friend Neil, a.k.a. Final Neil, not to be confused with the other Neil. You guys catch uh, Barry Sims, back talk with Barry Sims last night? That was a good episode. <laughs> who is that? <laughs> That's the shock jock DJ from the movie. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's the, it's, it's the uh, Poundland Chris Hardwick. <laughs> oh, what? I'm... I've never been so immediately lost. Yeah. So this will this will be the first episode that we've done where Corey hasn't watched the movie and we're just gonna see what happens. <laughs> I mean, what's Poundland though? I mean it's like discount. It means discount? Yeah. Like like price reduction? You know, like ripoff, like like oh. a lesser version of Oh. I've definitely heard that before. I haven't. I mean I guess that was no. pretty obvious, but <laughs> Speaking of discount versions of things, we watched Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers. Hey, can I disrupt real quick? I mean, oh, sure. Yeah. You didn't have to. Recent, you didn't have to ask. We already did. I recently watched the newest release in the American Pie series: American Pie Presents Girls Rule. Holy shit, dude! I didn't even know it was out. Yeah, it was a surprise drop on Netflix. I just opened it up, and it was right there. And it was like, tell it. Oh my gosh, tell it. It was like top 10 movies in the U.S. And uh, oh, man. yeah, so it's about four girls who are now trying to lose their virginities before uh, high school is over. No, it's earlier in high school because they're trying to lose it for homecoming or something, but they don't call it homecoming. They call it morp because it's reverse prom. Ew. Okay. What is like reverse prom is in like girls are asking boys? I don't think so. Isn't that just like, isn't, doesn't that have a name? It's like a Sally, ha Sally Hansen or something. I don't fucking remember. Sadie Hawkins. Sa Sadie Hawkins. <laughs> it's the Sally Field dance. Um, <laughs> so it's, it starts off. It's they, they crank the raunchiness like way down and way up at the same time. It's just a lot of talking about shit. And then yeah. the movie just kind of becomes a standard, like romantic comedy with the girls, like, falling in love with boys and like actually learning how to support each other and stuff. So I don't think it started out. I don't think it was meant to be an American pie movie. I think it was a, like a different screenplay and they were like, you know what, let's throw the banner on this and add a scene at the beginning where, where someone named Stifler is there. there. Yeah. There was a lady Stifler. Wow. So yeah. well, imagine writing a movie, right? And it's about like, you know, learning to be better friends and growing up and finding love. And then some fucking movie executive comes to you and says, Hey, look, we want to make your movie, but only if you let us make it an American pie movie. 
And imagine that not just absolutely crushing your soul. Well, it, it worked for prom night, too. Yeah, but prom night isn't American Pie at the point that American Pie is currently at. Yeah, the, the studio was like, this script is good, but can you add in a scene with Benoit balls? What was it? Was Eugene Levy? Is he keeping his undefeated streak? That's the other. That's the the biggest thing of all. No Eugene Levy in this. Wow. I think that makes it um like a forbidden part of the series, like a like a cursed text. Like it's the only American Pie movie that doesn't have the man himself. Yeah, that's the real horror. I think that makes it's it Halloween. illegal, actually. So this... when when you say this was a lot of talking, was this R rated? It was, I think it's, I guess so. It's unrated. Yeah. I think it's like straight to streaming. I guess they still have to give those ratings now, right? Right. But, um, yeah, it was R-rated. There was no nudity, which I was fine with. Um, yeah. And Danny Trejo was in it. I think maybe As if the series continues, he'll be the new, uh, he'll be the new Eugene <laughs> Levy. <laughs> Is he machete? So keep... No, he was, he was a janitor. And at one point, he had a turkey costume on. Huh. Huh. I don't know. So did you like it? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. How I think did I, it... liked, I think I liked it more than like the other Presents movies. Okay. But uh, it also just felt like wildly different in a good way and a bad way. It was a very confusing watch for me. But yeah. I did it. I, I watched them all. You didn't have to. Oh, yeah. I'm glad, man. You got to finish what you started. Maybe they're just trying to like bury it in Canada for some reason. I mean, I heard Maybe. about it right away, but largely from Neil. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like uh... yeah. It started out really rough, but it, then it settled into just like your normal, like yeah, a normal, a normal movie, not an American Pie atrocity. <laughs> so I don't want to get uh, too morbid on on the podcast this early. But Neil, I'm wondering when you plan like your uh, celebration of life, how much American Pie is going to be present? Because it seems like it's a pretty big part of it. That's going to be like, are you talking about like when I die? Yeah, at that's my right. Funeral mm-hmm. that nothing public. There will be a separate private ceremony, a separate private event where um, the people closest to me will be forced to watch all nine back to back. I like that. Well, there will be more by the time you're gone. But also, I like that it got downgraded from a ceremony to an event when you realized what you were going to make those people do. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. You're like, well, this is, there's nothing ceremonious about this. This is actually quite tragic in, in and of itself. The, the, all nine movies play in a row. And then the last, like, <laughs> there's the credits as the credits roll on nine, it's just a picture of me giving them all the finger. There's actually nine different screens and they play simultaneously at max volume and there's no way to turn it down. That's a good idea. I thought so. Yeah, it's pretty we'll, good. We'll, fi- knock it out a, we'll knock it out a lot quicker that way. Yeah. <laughs> and the final bit is that actually he put a spring in the casket and he pops out of the casket holding a sign that says, gotcha. And then he just like falls back over and everything's finished. <laughs> now the sign pops up. It says, gotcha, dick fucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to that podcast you told me to check out. They talked about American Pie in death for 10 minutes before anything else <laughs> happened. It's really it's the weird. the scariest Halloween episode of all. Ooh. It's still Corey, but he's talking to you about existential death. Speaking of the death of something beloved, 
Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I got nice. I got all sorts of fucking segues locked and loaded because I'm going to introduce the movie that we're talking about before we ask Neil about his Halloween celebrating festivities. Like I said, Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. It's the sixth one. We watched Halloween Resurrection pretty early on in this show's life. I don't remember which one in the series that is, number-wise, but somebody on this call can probably tell me. It's the eighth one. See? That's why I keep these guys around. And so this is a movie that came out in 1995. It's directed by Joe Chappelle, who also did The Wire and CSI, like a bunch of work on that, producing, directing, shit like that. Written by Daniel Farrens, who did The Haunting of Sharon Tate, the Amityville murders and a bunch of horror documentaries about like Halloween and Friday the 13th and stuff. Somebody made a, mm, I think it was Liam. Did you see that? Yeah, no, I, I didn't know that. Um, I kind of assumed that this writer just had his one shot at he also Halloween directed and the Sharon didn't do Tate anything one. else. That's this a movie, recent movie. That's surprising. This movie was written by Daniel Farrens with an asterisk because it was rewritten by the producers on like several times while filming. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, it was edited by uh Randy Bricker, which is a great name for a guy to have. IMO, and um, he did some work on the 100. He did Hellraiser 4, Bride of Chucky, and also notably for fans of this show, he did Texas Chainsaw 2013. Edited that bad boy. Um, oh man, I, I knew something was familiar about this. Yeah. Movie. Um. Cinematography by Billy Dixon, who won a primetime Emmy for Ally McBeal. <laughs> Music is from Alan Howarth. I don't actually know if I'm saying his last name right, but he's the longtime collaborator with John Carpenter. Did, and I think he's credited largely because they used some Halloween music from earlier movies. Um, but like Escape from New York, Christine, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, he also did work on Poltergeist and Back to the Future Parts 2 and 3 and a bunch of other shit. And um, then Paul Rabjohns, which I think is me saying that right, I don't know, also um, did some music work. He has a bunch of music editor roles for Justin Lin movies, um, including the more recent ones like Aquaman and like uh, shit like that. Uh, but he also was music editor on Hackers. Nice. Uh, cool. So, you know, we've got a lot of uh, loves of the show represented here. And, uh, of course, this is still technically based on characters from john carpenter and deborah hill and uh we're gonna have a lot to say about halloween i think largely because i know previously we had some we had some opinions on a halloween movie that neil didn't love but first neil it's october did you know that as what did you know it was october where have i been um well it's like shit it's late october yeah well um it's it's halloween like soon which is why which is why we're doing this but what i'm wondering is like throughout the month if you clocked it because it's been it's been october i don't know if you knew that um have you been doing scary stuff maybe not you personally but have you been like watching scary stuff maybe doing was the wrong word yeah day-to-day life is scary enough you voted today that's terrifying i did i voted i voted to save democracy thanks neil god bless here's hoping here's hoping it works (laughs) fingers crossed Fingers fucking crossed. Yeah, I've been uh it's been a really busy month for me. I've been watching a lot of uh Mortal Kombat Conquest episodes, uh subscribe to MK. Couldn't Podcast. imagine why. Um But as far as scary stuff goes, I've been uh 
working my way through the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Nice. Yeah, Where are you at? I had I am up to uh Dream Child. I haven't watched it yet. Which one's that? Like that's, four or five? That's, that's five. Yeah. So I had seen one and two like a long time ago, and I hadn't I thought I hadn't seen three um Dream Warriors, but I turns out I'd seen a lot of it when I went back and rewatched it. But I've never I'd never seen four, five, and six. So that's all new. And then I saw like New Nightmare and Freddy vs. Jason, of course, and uh, the remake. So I'm like really trying to fill in the gaps and just like get this one done. And I'm having a blast. I, I always thought I wasn't a big Freddy fan, but it turns out these are a lot of these are pretty good. I'm having a lot of fun with them. Now you're so, playing with power. Is it a power glove joke? Because of his it's like knife a, hands? I think... There is a joke later where he's literally wearing a power glove, but in this case, I believe he has become a television with a game system on it and smashes okay. a lady's head into it. I think that's in part six. I think I've seen clips of that, but I haven't seen it yet. So, anyway, spoilers. Thanks, Some, somebody Corey. starts playing with power. It. Wasted all this time. <laughs> and as I said earlier, I watched uh, American Pie Presents Girls Rule, so that was pretty spooky. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of spread my horror movie watching out throughout the year as it is. It's a constant vibe. Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, and definitely when fall rolls around, I start like, you know, getting the itch to to revisit stuff. But sometimes I'm revisiting stuff like last night. I went uh, over to a friend's house to watch the original Halloween. Nice. Because after after watching Halloween six, I was like, I need to remember <laughs> when the <laughs> I need to remember when this was, you know, something that made sense. And uh, yeah, I had a great time. Halloween one still still slaps really, really holds up. But then I realized, oh, I also watched this like two weeks ago. You forgot? Yeah. How'd you forget? It has been a long few weeks, man. I get it. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, no, I get it. That's cool, though. It's cool that like it held up enough that it was good two weeks apart still. Yeah, I could probably watch it like a couple weeks every, from now probably I, and i probably will we're gonna do um halloween 2018 tonight after we wrap this up so mm, nice you've seen that one already i imagine yeah i've seen it i really like it yeah I like um, it too. there's a there's that one part that's not great but the rest of it's pretty great yeah the the uh the dock yeah it was weird when buster rhymes kicked that guy off a dock yeah that's a movie i won't be watching again <laughs> You're lost. Just, in, just anything with Busta Rhymes, except that one music video where he's made out of like liquid metal. That one was pretty cool. That's ter- <laughs> that's Terminator Two. No, it was definitely the Terminator Two effects, but it was uh, I can't pull the name. I think God Brandon's gonna be mad if he listens to this. I think it was Janet Jackson in the song with him. It's really cool that Edward Furlong was in that music video. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, that's all the spookiness I've really been up to. Um, I've been uh. Oh, rewatching Buffy a little here and there. That's a great fall show. Oh yeah, definitely. But uh, you know, with COVID and everything, no no party plans or anything like that. Responsible, which I appreciate. Yeah. And uh, oh, I guess it's probably a pretty safe time to go out because everyone's definitely going to be wearing <laughs> masks, right? Yeah, I think that um, more people making face masks should have made them look like the stream guy, and then everybody'd be wearing them. <laughs> I saw on Instagram someone had a uh, like a, a face mask that looks like 
uh, Jason Voorhees hockey mask. Does it cover yes. their whole face? And it only goes up like over the nose, Amateur. but it's like the same coloring and he got the red. It's not, I mean, it's practical. Yeah, but Voorhees. like who needs practicality yeah. when you can look even more like Jason Voorhees? Well, you can just buy, you can just buy those and put those on. Yeah, but what I mean is I also wanted to keep other people from catching the deadly virus. And yes, I do own one. Do I you? Own the, yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the part four mask, but it doesn't have the crack in it from the machete. Man, Jason is single-handedly going to save the world from COVID. What if everyone just ends up like wearing Jason That's masks? what I'm saying. Everybody's going to look like the scream the guy future. whose name I never remember. And, uh, Ghost, Ghostface? Yeah, that's my favorite Wu-Tang member. And um, Jason Voorhees. I'm a more of a Raekwon guy. From that's what hang on, I got, I know, but hang on. There's a line in my head that I think might only make Liam laugh, and I just have to get it out. Giuseppe Stromboli and the deadly virus. That's a good one. That's it. It was just, I was like, I need to say this, or else I'm going to be thinking about it for the next three hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's good insight into how your brain works. <laughs> Like, if I don't get this joke out, I'm stuck with it until somebody hears it. Oh, my gosh. That explains so much. What? So much about me just randomly saying shitty jokes really fast. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we have to keep this bit in now because it's insightful. <laughs> and so, Liam, have you been... Have you been? What other scary things have you been watching? Because you inevitably have been. I have. Um, I watched uh, Veronica. On Shutter, oh my you guys God. heard about this? <laughs> yeah. You know, Corey? Oh, I'm familiar with it. I haven't seen it, but I am. Uh, I've seen parts oh. of it. And uh, have you? I have. Yeah. What, what What did you think of the parts I saw? Yeah, looks pretty bad, but in a fun yeah. way. Oh, dude, it is so so fun. I I literally can't stop thinking about it. It's it's the directorial debut of the Misfits frontman Glenn Danzig, um, <laughs> and, and and when it premiered at I think it was Cinepocalypse, uh, a film festival in Chicago last year, there were some reports coming out saying that it was like the room of of horror movies. Um, and you know I I take stuff like that with a grain of salt because for for every horror movie that comes out that someone says is the scariest movie ever made. You know, there's a bad movie that comes out that someone says is the next room. So I, I wasn't too sure. Um, and, and I've seen some comments about this movie now. Uh, people saying that it is so bad that it's not fun. But I am here to tell you, everybody, that this movie is absolutely so bad. It is fun. It is on Shutter right now. It's an anthology um, film with three segments and it even has a nice little wraparound segment where you have a a hostess telling you about the tales you're about to see and it is baffling it absolutely has the room qualities to them where it's just so confusing and i'm thinking one about how this happened in the production like i just i want to read a disaster artist like book about the production of the film but two it's baffling into just why did the filmmaker make these choices it's not just that stuff went wrong it's that the vision was just totally inhibited from the very beginning, just totally wacky. And so the more I think about this movie, like the worse it's getting. And so the, the, <laughs> the, 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 like the, the more I feel like I should have given it a higher star rating on Letterboxd because it is just 
Oh my god! It's gosh. crazy to it hear you say that because you you already hacked the website to give it a six and a half. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Um, I think if you try to make the score any higher, the letterbox police come to your door and ask you politely to stop. Dude, it is. Yeah, I would definitely. I would watch it with anyone, anytime. Corey, you absolutely have to see this movie. We'll watch it together. Let's it would be it. a great movie to watch with people. Um, it is. It's it's really something else, and it, it was a good October movie as well because it is a horror movie. I mean, there's a lot well, of nudity and violence in it and uh those are the two scariest things <laughs> that was a lot of fun i really enjoyed that one and then the other october type movie i watched is actually a movie that takes place on christmas eve but it is um much more to me uh, an autumn october movie than it is a christmas movie and that's a movie from 2003 called dead end do you guys know about this movie no okay i haven't seen it i, I think i've heard of it i have oh, not heard of it it's actually uh, starring Ray Wise from Twin Peaks oh, fuck. and and Lynn <laughs> Shay, who is now more famous for being in the Insidious movies. Um, and it is about this family. Uh, we got Lynn Shay, Ray Wise, their two young adult kids, and the boyfriend of their daughter. And they're all driving to a family member's house on Christmas Eve, and um, it seems the road is not ending and there's no side roads they don't see any other cars and every time they stop something bad seems to happen it's a movie i found on netflix probably in mid high school or something it absolutely blew me away it's the storytelling in this movie is so clever and so fun and so instantly hooky you know kind of like a twilight zone episode where a mystery is established right away and you want to know what's going on and then the, the longer the film goes on, the more you're getting clues, but also the more questions you're getting. All the performances are great. It's really just these five characters in a car together. Um, but the, the dialogue is fantastic. It's really funny. It's really tense. Um, you know, you get some relationship drama because it's a family stuck in a car together and all that stuff feels very real to me. Um, and so it just, it quickly became a movie in high school that I would show to, to any of my friends, uh, sort of like cube Corey. Yeah. Um, but, but unlike cube, I've, I've found it absolutely holds up. It's 10 out of 10 to me. It is such a cool movie to just get invested in. It's one of those movies where you put it on and for an hour and a half, you can just be somewhere else. It's really easy to just get uh, captivated by that story it's it's a uh, at the core it's just a really cool story uh i remember a few years ago i was out for a drive with some of my friends we had the back seat was all full and my friend was driving and we ended up on a road that didn't seem to be ending in the forest just out on one of our aimless drives and we became determined to just stay on the road to see where it leads and after about 20 minutes we still hadn't found anything and uh dead end is so impactful for me that really whenever i'm on a long car ride i think about it so i was of course really thinking about it on this drive and so i just described the whole movie like basically line for line beat for beat to everyone in the car it took about an hour and it's it's just, it's one of those movies that it kind of works like that you know because it's it's a pretty small movie it's a lot of dialogue with the occasional event that happens on this road and so i was able to just tell it like a like a scary story and um, watching it again last night, all, all those great memories just came back and I was kind of just in awe of uh, what, what a 
what a fun little gem it is. So that's Dead End, and it's on Amazon Prime here in Canada. So I would assume that means it's in America as well, because I think you guys get more than we do typically. So I, I would recommend that anytime. Nice. It doesn't need to be Halloween or Christmas. It's it's a really cool one. Just want to clear something up. I was thinking of Wrong Turn to Dead End. So oh <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Hadn't heard of this one yet. But yeah, cool. this is this is free. So IMDb streams on Amazon Prime, IMDb TV, and that's why. So it is streaming free on there with ads. Cool. Yeah, ab- absolutely worth it. So I feel like the ad breaks might uh, chop up the action a little bit, but yeah, might... maybe that 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 might because that's one. It's one of those movies where it really helps that you're just there from from beginning to end but you know that i would, would that would be if that, like if you were in a real car driving down an actual <laughs> road and suddenly a fucking dunkin donuts appeared in the middle of the road and you had to walk through it and get out of the car in order to continue driving just park That's... in front park in front of a billboard for 38 seconds and then keep driving <laughs> i'm glad you guys got the gist of the movie because that that is what that would be like <laughs> and that's it for me Corey. cool i uh I watched Halloween six. Um, that was pretty <laughs> scary, I guess. <laughs> Other than that, I haven't had a lot. That's Halloween in the title. <laughs> Can't argue with that. You ever heard of? You ever been cursed? Ooh. No, thank you. <laughs> Last time I got cursed, things didn't go too hot. But you should see the other guy. What was uh? What was your setting watching this Halloween movie? Where was it? Was it a spooky setting? You turn the lights down, maybe get some popcorn. Um, I mean, I I was sat at my desk with my second monitor on because I was taking notes. So maybe the atmosphere wasn't perfect. I don't know. I you know Halloween movies. I think because he kills in the suburbs most of the time. I think that they work pretty well if you're like sitting at home watching them versus you know. Yeah, but I was like sitting at a desk like typing typing stuff because yeah. i i opted so, to do uh so you wouldn't have been able to see him if he came up behind you well i mean you could be in a lot of situations where you can't see somebody coming up behind you yeah and it could be michael the it's only place scary. i can think of that you can definitely see <laughs> <It's scary. laughs> the only place i can think of where you could probably predict the presence of michael myers is like a hall of mirrors but you don't know what direction he'd be coming from then you just know he's coming or like a an Austin Powers Comic Con. A, a what? <laughs> oh, okay, sure. I didn't realize. Like, I, I, <laughs> I didn't really know what we meant by Austin Powers Comic Con. Like, as a phrase, like as if it were a Comic Con dedicated to Austin. Is that what you meant? Of course, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, Mike Myers? Mike Myers would be everywhere. <laughs> well, Austin Powers would be everywhere, probably. I don't know how many Mike Myers there are. I think there's just one, typically, in those films. He would, he would probably be at the Comic Con, though. Right. There, and, there can't and, be. There's not that many Austin and, Powers Comic Con. He's, so ex- he's going to show up. And he's extremely swift and light on his feet, so you'd never know he was coming up behind you. That's right. You well, you would just think it's another. Austin Powers slash Mike Myers impersonator. Little and then did you know sudden, it was the real deal. That's it. So you're in the convention hall. It's Austin Powers Con day three. It's uh, <laughs> kind of settled down. There's not much of a crowd. It's getting late. And you're kind of walking down one of these quiet hallways. And suddenly the lights dim. And uh, you hear this slow rumbling. This slow build into the Austin Powers theme music. <laughs> 
And he turned around and he's right there and he's like, do I make you horny, baby? And then he stabs you with <laughs> a giant horn. We were, we were, we were going to make really similar jokes, but I definitely think yours was better. So I'm glad you went first. I like him being a, a quippy, like a Freddy style quippy killer. And then inexplicably, he just goes, smoking. <laughs> actually, it was the mask the whole time. It was the mask. <laughs> He takes off the Austin Powers mask and it's the mask, and then he takes off that mask and it's just it's just Mike uh, Myers. It's just Mike Michael Mike Myers. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Mike Myers. Well, I was gonna say Mike Michael Myers, as in whatever. The cut t- that out. The titular Mike. Cut that. You can't demand that of me. I can. This is. I guess you can. Corey gives me final edit on our podcast, so. <laughs> well, that's because you edit it. Um. Will you be good? Oh, I'm good. Is that like you, just... you really sharply inhaled and I was worried you got horned? No, I'm good, man. I just I feel like I'm the kid in the backseat you... of this dead end movie <laughs> while you guys argue. Which one of us is Ray Wise? Because that's the worst one. Oh, Neil would be Ray Wise for sure. Got him. <laughs> Seems appropriate. Sp- specifically in dead end. No, you got to get Twin Peaks out of your mind. Claire. I never will. <laughs> that was like a deeply... I can, we can't talk about this because that's the future. Yeah, you haven't seen it yet. Right, in in canon of this podcast. Speaking of things that have no respect for canon, Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. Mm, I, 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 I want everyone to know that this podcast is entirely scripted. Corey makes us do it so that these segues work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's exhausting. It's, it's actually written around, like the segues are the written part. And I just it's insist point- that we get there. It's pointless, too, because 100% of the time, he sets himself up right. for the segue. You don't even have to. That's true, Corey. What are these lines? It's a long walk off a short plank. And why did you write me to hate Halloween Resurrection? You know I love that movie. <laughs> um, Because acting is about breaking down boundaries and exploring yourself. Whoa. It's a change. <laughs> Do I make you horny, baby? Halloween 6. The Curse of Michael Myers. The Curse of Michael Myers. Brought to you by Shock Jock Radio DJs. Barry Sims. Um, Before we get to Halloween 6, actually, I think there's one more thing we gotta do. Okay, that's... Yeah. And you wrote this. And this, didn't have- this, this is not Segway setup, I promise. Neil. Corey. You don't love... Halloween Resurrection. I don't. I want to hold on. Defend yourself. Let me, let me be clear. I like. I don't hate any Halloween series movie except the Rob Zombie ones. Them's fighting words in this podcast for one of us. Yeah, but uh, Halloween Resurrection is just the the worst of all of them. So. Why are why are you so comfortable being so wrong? Because I'm right, and the rest of the internet agrees with me. They they're wrong as well, actually. I don't know. It just it it it's a bad movie. How about that? Is that a good enough reason? It's no, actually, because we just talked about Veronica for a while. For starters, it's a Halloween movie that doesn't take place during halloween and wasn't even released around halloween in theaters well, it was earlier today you the- said two pretty notable things which is one you exist in a halloween vibe all year 
and two, you like the Boy Meets World slasher episode, which came out in February. None of that happened on Halloween. Yeah, but the Boy Meets World got him. Slasher, slasher episode I gotcha. wasn't presented as a Halloween movie. So slashers don't have to exist just around Halloween. But Halloween does. That's the whole point. It's literally in the title. It's a state of mind. And yeah. I don't know. It's a dumb how, how is it it's a dumb movie for starters? Like if we really consider the way that that movie was built. They reshot some footage at the end of shooting H2O so that they could kill Laurie off and keep Michael Myers alive, which makes H2O suck in hindsight, which was a really good movie until Resurrection came out and was like, oh, no, she killed a paramedic, not Michael. And now Michael's going to drop her off a roof, which is a really unceremonious way to, uh, you know, kill off Laurie Strode. Uh, yep. And then Michael just goes back to his house, and I guess while he's been gone, uh, Buster Rhymes has been setting up webcams everywhere. And Yeah, it's his thing. <laughs> That's what he does. But they went down in the fucking basement in that movie and put a, a false wall full of bones that just behind it led to where Michael Myers had been living this whole time. That's and they correct. Weren't like, they weren't like, this is weird. Someone's been living here. Fuck it. I don't know. You gotta it's... think. You gotta think about the views, Neil. The thousand, the thousands of views they say they're gonna get. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna be seen by thousands of people. Can't help but notice you're also ignoring the kicking. The kicking's pretty good. Agree to disagree. I don't know. Man. I have... as somebody who does a podcast about a Mortal Kombat television show, I think you should be pretty into kicks. Well, I'm into kicks. I'm not into people kicking ruthless. Silent Killers. I don't know, Liam, man. you got to back me up here, man. <laughs> it's It feels out of genre. It feels like it's not part of the series. It doesn't tie itself into the series. It's just Michael Myers. Like, I, I don't know. It's a complicated, right? Liam because is just I don't hanging like, me out to dry. I don't like a lot of, like, in Halloween 2 when they made a decision to make Laurie Strode Michael's sister. And then 2 and then 4 through 6 all had to deal with this whole idea of Michael Myers killing his family. Like, I wasn't, I didn't like that aspect because it takes away some of the terror. I mean, of... I agree that the the familial shit, which we'll get into here as well, is just kind of confusing. Yeah, and here it's just so fucking wild. But um... uh, I didn't like that as a choice because it kind of takes away some of, like, the the what's scary about Michael Myers is that in the first movie, he just, like, sees these people and he decides he's going to stalk them and kill them. And that's what he does, right? Right. There's no rhyme or reason. He could be anywhere he could go after anybody. And then, so I was excited about Halloween Resurrection because it was like, oh, okay, they're kind of away from all that stuff now. And now it's maybe just going to be Michael doing exactly that, right? Like going to find some people and he's going to kill them. But instead, he's just mad that people are in his house. Now, his, his gigantic house with underground tunnels hear, everywhere. Hear me, and all out. Kinds of hear me out. And maybe we can leave it at this, just a hypothetical to think about. No, I got three more things to say, but go ahead. Um, if you left your house for a while and you came home again and a bunch of strangers had filled it with cameras and teens, wouldn't you be a little upset? I wouldn't murder them. That wasn't, that wasn't (laughs) the implication. You said he was mad. You would probably be mad, right? Yeah, I'd be mad, but it'd be so. So what you're saying is the movie is true to life. That's an unfair question, Corey. I don't know if it is. 
Because if you're saying, if you were illegally squatting in an abandoned house and then you left and you came back and people were doing stuff, it's with his that house. house. He's been supposedly dead for, I don't know how, whatever. He doesn't own the house. <laughs> we, he's Michael Myers. We don't know the bank that. Was on the house. It was for sale in like six different movies. Like, come on. He bought <laughs> his you house. Guys, you guys literally sound like you're putting Michael <laughs> Myers on trial for what he did during Resurrection. <laughs> and Corey is his, is Corey is his defense. <laughs> okay, well, you know. Am I wrong? During Discovery, we uh, found documents that prove that Michael Myers does not have a claim on this house. So it's not his house. <laughs> why does the community collectively refer to it as the Michael Myers house if it's because not his? Get, because when people get murdered in a house, it gets named after the murderer. He also has squatters victim. rights there. I don't look, I'm not well versed in squatters rights laws, but he vacated the premises. So I think that how many bones do you have to keep in a house before it becomes your house? Well, those bones were made in Taiwan. They weren't his bones. They were brought in by the production. Once again, if he owns the bones, if you own the building within, if you own the building within which there are bones, similar to squatters rights, you now own the bones. I just want to be clear that that made in Taiwan thing was in the movie. That wasn't me like making a weird made in Taiwan (laughs) joke. No, no, no! I totally got it. I was like, "Overruled." Actually, pulling out some really good evidence. <laughs> I don't know. So I was anyway. I was like, "Sight." I was like, "Okay, okay, cool." All the Laurie Strode stuff is behind us. All the family stuff is behind us. We're gonna get like a sweet Michael Myers like slasher. He's gonna be like stalking and killing people again. And he wasn't. That's not what the well, movie was. It was it was Buster Rhymes making like bad jokes and doing bad kung fu and like this the fucking the nerdy kid deckard like on the computer texting the girl and then at the end of the movie they don't even meet it's just like he got catfished the, end, the, end, the ending was bad the it sounds the like you're describing halloween six to me it was all bad no yeah but it's a, <laughs> it's a different version of like halloween six like fucking goes for it hard no, it. Okay, we, we gotta make... start talking about the real movie now. Because what the fuck are you talking about? It, they were unsuccessful, but they fucking went for it. And Halloween ah! Resurrection, they were just and they were just. I would argue that like, letting a famous rapper kick your protagonist. I'll go with the protagonist. Sure. Letting a letting a famous rapper <laughs> rewrite your script. That's pretty cool. Is not going for it. It's it's the it's not not going of, for it. The definition of giving up. I agree to disagree. Can you do that in a court of law? I love the idea of a defense attorney chiming in to say that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, I don't think we're gonna stop the, pros- the prosecution pulls out like a big knife as part of like a murder trial, and the defense lawyer just whispers under his breath like, "Shit, that's pretty cool." So, all right, I got one one last thing on this topic. <laughs> Halloween Halloween 6 does nothing. So in horror movies, there's usually the people you care about that you want to survive, and you know some of them are going to die, and then there's the people you hate, and you really want them to get it. Uh-huh. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. And in Halloween Resurrection, you just don't give a fuck about anybody in that movie. No. They're all just boring. In our inter- defense... Like, me and Michael Myers, my client. Um, a lot of movies are like that. 
So that doesn't make it inherently bad because a lot of movies do a bad job of that. Like slasher movies, like in the genre or like um, overall? Even Halloween okay. movies. If you want to get real granular. We can get, okay. But I'm here for it. Also, uh, I th- yeah, I think a lot of movies don't do a good job of that. And I think that if you're implying that it was my client's job to um, make those kills more meaningful, I think you've got to take it up with, with Mr. Rhymes. Yeah, we're okay. So then we're in agreement. He was the problem with the movie. No, that's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you just didn't care enough about Buster Rhymes, my other client. Is there a judge here? I think I'm filling that role at this point. Okay, yeah, who wins? Well, because you guys started talking about how this compares to Halloween 6, I don't think I can offer a official substantial ruling until we get through the Halloween 6 talk and I have a better idea of where you guys are coming from. Then we can come back around and I can give my final verdict. Okay. Fair enough. I, I'm, I'm, in with, I'm good with that. That's pretty cool. Um, so... <laughs> Y'all ever heard of this uh, Michael Myers guy? If nothing else, they've definitely heard of him from this episode. Because uh, he... Uh, we've talked about so far. He's a little what we like to call in the biz knife, <laughs> knife clumsy. <laughs> and, uh, this, is, this, is, this was Corey's opening statement. You guys heard of this Michael Myers guy? <laughs> My client. <laughs> he's a bit knife clumsy. Ladies and gentlemen of this jury. But he's a nice guy if you get to know him. And uh, he was cursed. I don't think Michael Myers is on trial. I think it's Halloween Resurrection, right? Yeah, but he's in it. And um, a, he's the most notable face. If my defense is going to be, <laughs> but in this other movie, he did this other. That doesn't really, whatever. This doesn't. Look, man, I can't. The movie isn't here, but Michael Myers could make it. All right, let's do this. Okay. So um, you ever hear of this guy? Crazy. Yeah. Um, so he's back. And um, I genuinely don't even really know how to describe this film. So, oh fuck! I actually, I really don't. I thought I was gonna, I thought I was kind of saying that like in a little bit of a jokey way, and then I'm realizing that nope, I'm just kind of confused. So this movie starts off in like an industrial cube esque setting, and um, a woman, a mysterious woman, if you haven't seen the previous two films, um, is giving birth. And uh, there's like a secret cult tunnel there with a secret cult inside of it. It's not just a tunnel that doesn't have a secret cult in it. And um, they steal her baby for Michael Myers, who was also there. And he really, ooh, oh boy, does he ever want to kill a lot. And uh, he does a little bit, but um, the woman and the baby escape to a bus stop then she hides the baby there and is ultimately killed and uh then we just cut to the strode family who have an adopted child who also has a kid who what is their relationship no no, no. No, kara is their oldest daughter and then tim is their son no yeah yeah but like and then danny is kara's son Okay, why do they talk about her like she's not part of the family? Because she... Okay. Do you want to finish the synopsis and then we'll, I'll fill in... Uh, it is Karen generous that you called this a synopsis. 
I mean, um, is that is that what you're doing? I don't want to disrupt. I'm atte- I, have, I, I am attempting. I genuinely don't know how to explain some of this. Anyway, hundred things to say so there's, already. So there's a family, right? The Strode family. You heard of this? And um, across the street lives the grown-up version of the little boy from the first movie, played by Paul Rudd. In his first movie. In his first film, Paul Stephen Rudd. I don't know. They gotta fucking stop Michael Myers. Who gives a shit? I genuinely don't know how to describe this. There's a fucking radio DJ and some people die. And there's a weird, yeah. there's a cult based on the druidic rune symbol of Thorn. Who fucking cares? So, so, let me hop in a little bit here, if you don't mind. And Dr. Loomis. I, I wanted you both to know, I have zero notes wrote that, written down. This is going to be 100% off the dome. That's how uh, confident I am in how well I know this movie. Uh, yes. Yeah. So... The girl at the beginning who gave birth is um, um, Jamie Lloyd, who was kidnapped. She was the protagonist in Halloween 4 and 5. And at the end of 5, it's revealed in the producer's cut in this that when Michael Myers was broken out of the uh, police station by the man in black who just popped up in Halloween 5 with no explanation, he also took Jamie Lloyd. And we're six years later now. She's been held captive in this facility she gave birth. She escapes with the baby, goes to a bus station, tries to call emergency services. She can't get through, so she calls a radio station because she hears the number playing on the speakers. Completely normal thing to do. Uh, Dr. Samuel Loomis uh, is recording the program because he's working on a book on Michael Myers. And uh, Tommy Doyle, played by Paul Rudd, is also listening to it because he's obsessed with Michael Myers. They hear her phone call. Tommy figures out she was at a bus depot. He goes and finds the baby. And uh, yeah, then Michael's around talking to the man in black's around. This is, it does get really messy right here, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) And also Paul Rudd finds a baby thanks to a trail of blood that no one seems to have cleaned. Nobody. Even though this is a busy bus station. Yeah. But who gives a fuck? Nobody rides the bus except the man in black rode the bus in Halloween five. So it was 1990 X. Everybody rode the bus. 1995. Thank you. Even though I think uh, I said that earlier in this very podcast. Yeah. So now they're, Michael is stalking the Strodes and Danny is hearing voices and seeing the man in black and is telling him to kill. And eventually this cult attacks them and kidnaps Kara and the baby. And Paul Rudd and Sam Loomis have to go save them. And uh, there's two different endings. There's two different versions of this movie, and the third act is basically entirely different in both, and neither of them make too much sense. Which one's your personal preference? If I had to pick, I think the producer's cut, it makes a tiny bit more sense. Low so bar. The, the, the Cult of Thorns plan is to... Um, <laughs> they're, they're trying to protect the community by having, like, one child inherit like all of the evil and michael myers was that child and now they're ready for a new one they're ready for the curse to be passed on to somebody else so the plan is to have michael kill the baby because it's his last remaining family member he has to kill the rest of his living family and kill the baby and then the curse will be passed on to danny who is kara's son who is i guess michael's like eighth cousin or some shit wikipedia disagrees 
Okay, what, what do they disagree with? Wynn reveals that the staff at Smith's Grove have been working with the Thorn cult to study the power of Thorn and learn how to control it. Steven is implied to be the successful result of experiments to clone Michael's pure evil, and the cult yeah, plans okay. to use Danny and Kara to create another one, presumably another Michael? They don't specify. That's that's the theatrical cut, right? Because at the end of that, they're in the lab with all of the um, like fetuses and green stuff, right? Yeah. Yes. That's, that's the version you guys watch. I watched both versions. In the uh, producer's cut, they're like, the curse is going to get passed on to Danny. And that's why all throughout the movie, he's hearing Man in Black tell him to kill people. Yeah, it is It like, is weird that the theatrical cut doesn't yeah. have a curse of Michael Myers in it. Yeah, and they completely remove that from the theatrical cut. Weird choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky movie. <laughs> Halloween 6, The Evil of Michael Myers. I'm sorting my details in my head to make sure I can talk about the right version. I mean, Done. I... Okay, that was pretty easy. You actually did that pretty fast. Do you just have like a big processor up there in your brain? It's not, uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, more in this, it's a giant. Well, I think giant helmet. I think what we can do is, uh, you know, hit those as we go. Okay. Um, because yeah. what I want to do is just get out there, like how people feel about the movie as like a viewing experience. I feel like we've sort of played our cards here, but I feel like I know the least about how Liam feels. I'm, I'm a so judge. Excited. I have to be impartial. I mean, you have to opinion. tell us what you think about the movie. You have to like uh, break kayfabe for a second and tell so us. Here, so here's what we do. Okay, Liam. So we know that you love Halloween Resurrection. If you give away that you hate Halloween Six, we gotta throw the we gotta throw the case out. We gotta find a different judge. But if you right. but if you like it, you don't have to tell us if you like it more or less than Resurrection, and then you're still going to be able to judge this case judges are legally allowed to like things they just can't rank anything or they go to prison maybe up there in canada but all right well submitted for the approval of of this of this courtroom and the the bar the halloween Um, society i i quite liked this movie yes what the fuck yeah um it's not my objection (laughs) you can't do that (laughs) <laughs> know your role and shut your mouth Corey. <laughs> judges can't say that yeah this so this wasn't my first time seeing this movie um i watched it for the first time t- about two or three years ago um back then i was i was filling in all my halloween gaps so that would have been also around the time i saw halloween resurrection for the first time this one was really forgettable i didn't find anything really that that hit me i i forgot so much about it that i wasn't even sure if i saw the theatrical cut or the producer's cut in fact by the time i got to the end of this version i said oh i must have seen the producer's cut because i don't remember that ending at all that is so abrupt and uh, i i don't know if um i had just read about the producer's cut or if i had seen the scene or something but to me i was sure the movie was going to end with some heavy thorn stuff and with donald pleasance yelling so i thought for sure (laughs) at the end of this i was like okay i saw the producer's cut i go to my letterboxd and i see that i left a review for this movie years ago and so i check it out and uh the hidden files yeah, the hidden files. And for those of you wondering, I had rated it at the time of watching it 2.5 out of 5, which is... Uh, middle of the road. Middle of the road, Middle right. of the dead and, end. And the only review that I had left for myself was I had written theatrical cut. So 
I knew back <laughs> I knew back then that there that there was a difference, and I guess I knew that my future self. I didn't would, know that we were remember. the reboot of Memento this week. <laughs> and I guess I knew that my future self might not have remembered otherwise, so I noted down theatrical cut. So I should say that for this time around, knowing that I had seen at least one of the versions, um, I was I was going to watch both versions back to back, producer's cut and theatrical cut. Um, and because I'm enough of a Halloween fan now, I've seen every movie in the series that I wanted to fill it out and watch whatever one I hadn't seen. And uh, unfortunately for me, I found that I couldn't access the producer's cut in Canada. If I had known, I would have ordered the producer's cut, a physical copy of it, and I would have checked it out. And I'm still going to do that because I do want to see it back to back. But I watched the theatrical cut here again. I did some reading and some scene watching of the producer's cut afterwards. So I have a good idea of the differences. But I'm going to keep my opinions for now strictly to the theatrical cut. And yeah, man, I liked this movie. I like the Halloween vibe, you know, specifically the holiday vibe. I think this movie does a really good job at being atmospheric. I like the yeah. the blacks, dark blues with a little bit of sprinkles of orange here and there. There's a, a lot of really nice um, touches of Halloween. And then you actually have a couple big uh, sort of set pieces, I guess, of, of Halloween, you know, like uh, Tommy walking through... Um, a neighborhood on Halloween night and there are all these people in costumes around him while a voiceover is talking about Sam Hain. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, so it was just one, it was just a great movie to put on in my dark apartment and, and watch by myself in October. Um, it was, I thought the hour and a half just flew by. And so I do have issues with it, but those issues weren't enough to keep me from enjoying it because I've found that I like Paul Rudd's performance, and even more than that, I really love Kara's performance, the character yeah. of Kara. I thought she was great. I I, I love Donald Pleasant's performance. That's Marianne Hagen. Sorry, but I want to get the names right because I haven't read them yet. Marianne Hagen. Cool. Yeah, yeah she's um, great. I, I like I like Dr. Loomis, um, his performance, and I like his role in this movie. I think it, it was cool to bring him back for a significant part. Um, I like to see him fighting this through till the very end, really. Literally. Um, and this was his last uh, role. Yeah, yeah. And I really respect that, man. I, I love the first six Halloween movies for that for that reason alone. That Donald Pleasance is so committed. He's the Eugene Levy of the <laughs> of of the Halloween movies, where it's just he always seems to have respect for the franchise, um, no matter what's happening. And so uh, it was it was a joy to see him. And um, in terms of the Cult of Thorn stuff, that that really uh, gives a lot of people pause. Um, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> a very judge, say, a judgely way of saying that. Yeah, I'll say that I'm not against the idea, and I actually I think there's a, a lot of moments in this movie related to the Cult of Thorn where I thought, oh man, I don't hate this. This is actually pretty cool. I'm not against giving Michael Myers an explanation, but where this movie really falters is studio meddling. I mean, you can tell yeah. that there were so many scripts made. Uh, before this movie even went into production, you can tell. That's why it starts uh, in an underground cult room and ends in like a sci-fi dome. The producer's cut starts in an underground cult room and ends, well, it goes back to that underground cult room. Um, yeah. Touches yeah. of Halloween is the name of Michael Myers' smooth jazz record. So, uh, well, I'll let you guys go and I'll get this stuff all out as we go along. But but all in all, I did I did like this movie. 
Neil, just, let me drop, Neil, as let our me drop illustrious in. guest, you can go next. <laughs> There's a book I just want to drop in called uh, Taking Shape. Yes, yes, I just heard about this this last week. Yeah, they're putting out a second one now, Taking Shape 2, and it's about all of the like unmade, like uh, abandoned plans for Halloween movies that didn't make it. Dustin McNeil and Travis Mullins. They write a bunch of like horror. Like I think they wrote a book on Hellraiser. They wrote a book on um, all the attempts to make the Freddy versus Jason movies over the years. It's a really good book that goes really in-depth in Halloween 6 on all of the behind-the-scenes issues between like the Akkads and the Weinsteins and the poor screenwriter caught in the middle who had to do something like like 20 different drafts and things were still being changed during filming. It's a it's a really good read if you like the series. I just want to give that book a plug. I've been working through it and I'm I'm really digging it. So awesome. that's all. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. But uh yeah I I uh I agree with all the stuff you said. Uh it's the movie feels like a Okay, everything I say is going to sound like I'm taking a shot at Resurrection. And you are. That That is the subtext, but I don't want this to be about that. Uh, it feels <laughs> like a Halloween. It feels like a Halloween movie. The producers cut particularly because they add in a, a lot more of the John Carpenter score. Um, Instead of like that weird grunge music when they're like walking on the college campus, like they add in like the classic John, you know, John Carpenter music. And they do a lot of references. Like there's the part where Deborah, Kara's mom, is like running through the bed sheets, which is like a reference to the scene in the first movie where Michael Myers is like watching Laurie from the from the uh, clotheslines. Mm-hmm. And uh, Danny carrying the pumpkin and dropping it, just like Tommy Doyle got, you know, the bullies pushing him around in the first movie and he drops the pumpkin or, or Laurie Strode carrying the pumpkin when she's going to go babysitting. They... they, they really tried to like pick out like these iconic like Halloween series moments and work them in because the screenwriter loved, loved the series and like had made his own like Halloween Bible that the Akkads actually used to like in production before they hired him for Halloween six. Like I think back as far as Halloween four or five, there was a six year gap between five and six. So that's a long time for them to be working on developing stuff based on, stuff a fan who wanted to write a movie had given them he had a big he had a love for the franchise and he really wanted to like pay tribute um uh terrence win the head of smith's grove is actually in the first halloween movie it's a different actor but he's in halloween one as the only other like smith's grove doctor we see who's you know fighting with loomis as loomis like drives off to go to haddonfield and find michael so he was trying to like call back to that, explain why Michael can drive, explain why Michael can do all of these things, like figure out how to turn off power grids and all these all this stuff that he shouldn't have known how to do because he was locked up when he was a kid and broke out when he was 21 and is just one of the best drivers in movie history ever. I mean, even in Resurrection, he drove to California, I guess in uh, H2O, he drove to California and back, you know? <laughs> So it was really like supposed to be a movie that just answers everything and ties everything together. I'm not a huge fan of that in horror movies and in horror movie franchises. A lot of times, the less I know, the better, right? Like, because once you've explained everything, it's not scary, right? To me, and 
I've never been a big, I'm not a big fan of the cult of Thorn idea because they already gave Michael this, like, well, he kills his family. That's what he does. And then to then put something else on top of that of, oh, he kills his family because he's got this uh, rune curse is just like another layer that I don't think we needed. But I appreciate the movie for trying to sort through everything. And uh, I don't know. It was fun. It felt like a like a poorly written love letter to the entire <laughs> series. Like they were trying like they were trying so hard to clean up like all the loose ends from Halloween five but like, and make and make it feel like a Halloween movie again. And it just kind of it didn't work, but it didn't work spectacularly for me. Right. Like it was it, it didn't work in a super entertaining way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm going to spare the theatrics a little bit, which I know is not usually my M.O., but um, more or less, I don't like it for all the reasons you've all said that you do. Um, Corey hates Halloween. I think he does. <laughs> I I to your last point, which I'll I'll start with. Um, I found it kind of annoying that it felt like it was trying to tie eight hundred different things together because it got really muddled and really confusing, really fast. And uh, the biggest thing for me is um. It lost me really, really, really early because I just had no fucking idea what was happening at all. And um, it just didn't win me back. It just kept being muddled and confusing. And I feel like this movie doesn't... Either I don't understand how to utilize Michael Myers in a movie or this movie doesn't. And I don't know which it is. But... um, I found that like there wasn't anything satisfying to be found in like the slasher structure parts of the movie where it's just like well that was fast and unceremonious um and not compelling and then character wise and trying to follow that narrative made my fucking head spin so i just sort of checked out and uh it didn't it just didn't get me back i mean clearly since you're a big fan of halloween resurrection you really don't have any idea how to utilize michael myers in a movie so (laughs) just want to get that out there i actually like Big fan might be a strong word, but producers cut uh, ending not like not counted. I think that this movie actually handled Michael pretty well. He he was, you know what? I don't even know that I can say that because you watch the theatrical cut. I think if you watch the producers cut, they there is I noticed a lot more scenes of of uh, Mikey Myers like sneaking up on people, appearing like. You see him in the background, like you would in like the, you know, in the, the original one. or in or in Halloween Four. Uh, you see a lot more of that stuff, and a lot of that stuff got trimmed out for the theatrical cut, if I'm remembering correctly. So it does seem um, like he's just sort of popping up out of nowhere <laughs> and killing someone, and then popping up somewhere else and killing someone. Yeah, and you don't really you don't really get the the Michael the Michael stalking. You you get more of it in the producer's cut. Well, and not, lo- not logistically, but... it's just kind of weird too. Like she drives to that like farm. Yeah, pretty far away, seemingly, like down a long road, and he's just. It's like, well, here he is, mate. He made it. Don't even worry about so, it. Well, he's he's following her. He's following her in the van the whole time. He catches up with what her. Van? I don't even remember a van. Fuck. Oh yeah, oh. man. She's she's like looking in her rear view, and this van is sneaking up on her, and she's like, ah. Yeah. 
Because he knows the tr- well, he knows the truck. He saw her steal the truck. Does so he, he have a license? And he, it, 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 he he I, drives I, in a, all the movies. It doesn't j- matter. It was a joke. There's literally like a line in the, in Halloween one when Wynn, who's unnamed in that movie, goes, he doesn't even know how to drive, and Donald Pleasance goes, well, he did a pretty good job of it last night. Yeah, I know. like they don't, you know. Um, but <laughs> so I, so the explanation for that is that while he was locked up in Smith's Grove, the cult of Thorn was bottom uh, a racing simulator, or Wynn was giving him driving lessons. You um, know? in any case, uh, the other part of it for me is just like that cult shit is so fucking dumb and like it's dumb only because like i don't know why it's in this movie uh it's something that we've actually come across before in 90s horror movies on this show where it gets into like pagan or druidic or like mysticism shit rather than explicitly supernatural things and it's almost never well done (laughs) I think that they the reason they went down that path, they started sowing those seeds in Halloween five. Like he had the thorn tattoo on his wrist in that. And I think he I know he burns it into the hay bales at the farm. I think he did something similar in uh Halloween five. There's another hay bale farm scene. Yeah. There's um there's some fun, dumb shit in this movie, and like Liam said, some of it does look pretty cool. I'm yeah. not going to sit here and act like I have a bunch of really well thought out reasons for why I don't like this movie, but the act of sitting and watching it was not enjoyable and I was not in it. And that's really all sorry. I got. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> it just happens like that sometimes. Sometimes, you know, the so, movie just doesn't hook you and you're out. I'm sorry you can't enjoy nice things. Corey, do you think if you had seen four and five, you would have been on board for longer was it like the confusion of not knowing the story that's um, that you're thrown into at the beginning it seemed honestly it seemed stupid regardless of how much i knew and neil did explain it to me while yeah. i was watching the movie and it did not help um, yeah and i'm not sure i'm honestly not sure that it does so i've sent Corey because he was like who's this why is there, why are all the cult members dressed like cowboys? Is that what I said? <laughs> something like that. I'm Sounds like it. something you would say. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it does. No, you said why are all this is you said something better. <laughs> you said why are all these cultists or whatever dressed like dark man? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's right. You haven't seen Halloween 5 because in Halloween 5, the the man in black just shows up and he's just around for a few scenes and then <laughs> walks into the police station at the end and Michael Myers is gone and there's blood everywhere. Can't help but notice we glossed over yeah. by asking you, um, why does Tommy's fridge have a picture of Divine on it? I believe I answered your question. I said, why wouldn't it? You, that's right. And then I sent a gift that, that like, kill everyone now gift. <laughs> Sounds like you had a good time watching this movie to me, Corey. I mean, yeah. I had a good time texting Neil about Divine. Let me, let me read this summary. <laughs> It'll catch everybody up if they're not familiar. So the girl at the beginning who gives birth is Jamie Lloyd, which is Laurie Strode's daughter. Laurie Strode died in a car accident sometime before Halloween 4. And in Halloween 4 and 5, Michael is trying to kill Jamie Lloyd when she's 10 years old. Um, In 5, the man in black shows up, isn't explained at all, breaks Michael out of the police station and kidnaps Jamie too. And that scene is shown in the producer's cut. Is it the same man in black as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation? No. That, that would Wynn, be pretty cool. 
because we learned in this it's win yeah, from I, mm-hmm. Smith's Grove. Yeah, I know. Let me, dude. Look, you guys are having fun with the actual movie. <laughs> Give me something. Okay. Yes, it is, Corey. Thanks, man. That's pretty cool. Pretty um, cool. And then, and then, six to eight discreet air horns go off. <laughs> I gotta say, really quick, the last thing that I've got that I think is really cutting insight before I let you guys go wild here is as a radio producer. <laughs> um. <laughs> Fuck me. That guy needs a hey, that guy needs somebody to screen those calls. As somebody who screens calls for a radio show, you gotta check those before you let them on air, my man. Fuck. I, I feel like a show like Back Talk with Barry Sims, who's They who's, thrive on not checking the calls. You're right. Who's whose call in number is one eight hundred You suck. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just like is, Bubba the Love Sponge Howard Stern ass edgy radio man because it was 1990x and that was cool yeah that's also a huge not barry sims in particular but there's a huge point of enjoyment for me is watching this movie try to be cool and just fail hopelessly like 90s cool like you've got danny like the 10 year old boy running around in like an extra large barry orange kicks ass is what it says i think (laughs) that says barry kicks ass who's barry (laughs) Barry Sims, the DJ. Oh! <laughs> Corey just immediately forgets the students in the movie anytime he he's does. not being talked about. It's because he's like, I am, this is not, this is not my radio. I don't want to acknowledge his existence. If Barry is not in my line of sight, he stops. Ex- <laughs> I genuinely didn't put that together. I'm just like, who the fuck's Barry? Corey, Corey has object permanence for everything except Barry Sims. <laughs> It's my downfall. There's just like a 20 minute section of this movie he doesn't remember at all. <laughs> That's accurate, but for different reasons, probably. But so, like, it... <laughs> so in the producer's cut, you've got a lot more like bad 90s references, like Tim and Danny calling each other G and homie that the theatrical cut cut out. But then the theatrical cut has like, like, mid 90s grunge music playing and the producer's cuts missing that god that music and they, sucks and they both have beavis and butthead references yeah, but and things like that beavis in and them. butthead is fine but it's just but it feels so it it feels like like a dad trying to relate to his 90s teen son i mean at a certain point way, it probably was done. with all the producer meddling right yeah like at a certain point that was probably a 90s dad trying to be cool to his 90s son in the 90s. But I wonder like if at the time that would have just been like, yeah, that's cool. But then 2 years later we get Scream, which does all the same stuff but like well. Right. I think and the trick look- is it's really hard to compare movies that came out around Scream to Scream. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I but it's it adds to the enjoyment of watching because I'm like, look at them, they're really they're, they're trying. trying so hard and it, it makes it like it's it's definitely embarrassing but it's unintentionally funny like it makes me feel embarrassed for the guy for tim going huh, i think it's cool like butthead yeah and, and for like, one okay. that's pretty cool <laughs> and then all of the uh all of the barry sims stuff so so kara's brother and um his girlfriend are trying to like that's another that's another thing that doesn't make sense that we see trick-or-treaters and people doing halloween the whole time in the middle of the goddamn day 
They're, they're leaving they're, for school, and it looks like there's people trick-or-treating, which I take great umbrage with. And yet there's a campus rally to bring Halloween back to Haddonfield because it's been banned. And I'm like, I don't well, think anyone's paying attention to that ban. You I know? guess maybe the trick-or-treating part was banned, but the costumes are allowed. Also, right. why does... Uh, why, when they're waiting for Barry Sims, who is dead, to come to their house, do they just decide, now seems like an alright time to have sex? Because it's a horror movie. Well, I know, but like I'm talking about the the characters. I don't know. Maybe she got all worked up when Barry Sims said, I bet she wears crotchless panties and barks. Yeah, on gross, right? What the fuck was that? <laughs> Barry, you fucking bad man. Aren't these high schoolers? You can't I mean, say that that's, shit. It's accurate. Howard Stern does shit like that all the time. Yeah, well, then, at least. I don't listen to Howard Stern. I don't know what he's up to. So I, I don't know if this is true, but I, I heard that uh, they actually were reaching out to Howard Stern to be in the movie, and he wouldn't do it, and so they made up Barry Sims. You should play Stoward Hearn. <laughs> you guys want to talk about Paul Rudd? Yeah, let's talk about Paul Rudd. Let's talk about his voice. Um, Yeah, he... I know this was like his first movie, approximately. Um, His vibe's all weird. <laughs> And I know the character so, is supposed to be like that. Like, I understand the the lineage here. But um, even then, he's just kind of got a vibe, huh? Is that just me? Yeah. Yeah, it was just yeah. me? Or yeah, he has a vibe. Yeah, he's got a vibe. Okay. He's got, I mean, the, the paranoid, uh, yeah. I didn't love it. It was hard to make it, like, every time I'd, I'd look at him and I'd, I'd see, like, oh, that's Paul Rudd. But I'd look deeper into his eyes and I'd go, that's not yet the real Paul Rudd. There's a method to Michael's madness. He just had like this weird. Uh, like, I for one was, love to say words. And that was eyes, a really good impression. It was really good. <laughs> and his eyes were like bulging. Like he has eyes like wide all the time. Like he was just constantly tense. It was really weird when he walked into that lab and he just went computer play celery man. <clears throat> you want me to send you that cricket sound effect <laughs> I've been using on our podcast? Have you actually been doing that? Yeah. yeah. After I tell shitty jokes, if he doesn't laugh, he's been putting in a cricket sound. Oh Sometimes. my gosh, that's brilliant. Sometimes I do a rim shot. <laughs> really depends um, on the God, on Liam, the if you like that podcast so much, why don't you go be on it? <laughs> <laughs> or at least listen to it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, give um, it a, just, just hit play and leave it in the other room. Yeah. Uh, for me, the Paul Rudd thing, yeah, I felt the same way that I looked at him and I didn't, I couldn't really tell it was Paul Rudd. Like my eyes knew it, but my brain couldn't tell. And I, I was actually pretty pleased with that because uh, in so many, I've seen so many Paul Rudd movies and in almost all of them, he is that same Paul Rudd. And so I thought it was really cool to see him acting a bit different. And while part of me was like, okay, it's his first movie. He hasn't figured it out yet. The other part of me has seen Clueless, which came out in the same year, and yeah. he's much more Paul Rudd-like in that movie. So um, when I'm thinking about his ca character of Tommy Doyle, who's had to live with this for like the past 20 years and is just socially awkward and, and not talking to anybody and obsessed with Michael Myers, I, I really started to vibe with it. And as the movie goes on and the intensity builds and eventually he comes face to face with Michael. I thought some of that stuff was really cool. You know, there, there are points when like Michael is walking up close to him and he's just, yeah, he's staring wide eyed and he's like kind of laughing, but he's also panicking. And I thought there were some that really I, cool That I touches. liked a lot actually. Yeah. The, uh, the, the weird mixture of like 
my mild excitement, shock, and utter fucking panic is like a really yeah, I, interesting mix. I um, love that. That was one of my favorite scenes. I also I think... swear he involuntarily did the head tilt like Paul I'm Rudd sure... did. I'm sure that was intentional. I'm sure they were like, do a head, do a Michael head tilt. Well, I mean, Tommy Doyle involuntarily. Paul Rudd probably did it on purpose. Right, right, right. I got you. He was paid to do all of that voluntarily. So I think what happened was they shot they shot Halloween 6 and essentially the what became the producer's cut. And then he went and shot Clueless. And then he had to come back for reshoots for the theatrical cuts, like reshoot the whole ending and everything. And I do think that he... I think he's better at the end of the theatrical cut. I don't know if he just like wow. he learned to act on Clueless and then he came like, back. No, no, I don't think I don't think he. I, I think you know. Yeah, that that was movie, a joke. Like, like I, he's all right. Yeah, I don't want to dunk yeah, on Paul I, Rudd that hard. I think he came back and he had to like get back into the the Tommy Doyle character for the reshoots, but I still think he had a little bit more, little yeah, probably a little more experience under his belt and he felt a little bit more comfortable on a movie set. So I, I think his performance is better at the end. The, the the reshot scenes inside that lab than his performance in the cult scenes in the producer's cut. That's the a little, really good point. I would totally I agree. buy that. Yeah. A, you get a little bit more of that like that Paul Rudd charm that he's like that natural charm, you know, you could tell he's a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. I think. And it's really cool to see him play like a crazy person instead of just Paul Rudd. Another a, a Paul Rudd guy. Yeah, I right. think that legally and Liam, you're a judge, so you tell me if this is like if this counts. Um, actors every couple of years should have to do some wildly out of their wheelhouse shit to stay in like the the celebrity club. I'm totally with you. I love seeing movies like that. You know, there's some Adam Sandler movies like that, Jim Carrey, and a lot of times, even if the actors or the movies don't hit it out of the park, they're they're worth seeing for that reason. And so, I think if Paul Rudd is in this movie and it brings more people to the Halloween franchise in general, you know, that'd be, <laughs> when, pretty, that'd be pretty cool. When are we going to get Paul Rudd's uncut gems? He's also super cool. Like, you know, <laughs> he, he's super cool about the fact that is that he was in Halloween six, right? Like he's like, I was super excited. It was a lot of fun. I love being in a Halloween movie. Like he doesn't like talk shit about it or anything like that, which I think is another credit to him as an actor like he's like no i had so much fun making that yeah i mean right i'd also love it like if someone wanted to cast me in a shitty halloween movie yeah i'd love it are you kidding me sign me up and i'd probably say it wasn't shitty yeah i also was really into uh kara in this movie the 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 final girl she was great me too me too yeah i thought she was she was the highlight honestly for me very pretty i'll just get get up front with that (laughs) Mm, immediately too eh? like she, i'm yeah. like wow she's got a kid holy moly right yeah wow I, I don't know why do you guys have weird assumptions about what moms can look like uh, i don't think that's what we were saying Corey. <laughs> what were you saying then she just you know doesn't look old enough to have a 10 year old kid oh maybe got it got it got it got it i'm got just it. i'm just saying <laughs> you ever seen american pie no <laughs> yeah you ever uh, seen american pie girls rule <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I thought she was. I thought she was great. Um, the the Strode family in general was just fucking bonkers. The dad, that dad fucking sucks ass, and watching him explode was pretty cool. Named named John, named after John Carpenter, and the mom Deborah, named after Deborah Hill. Yeah, I um, love the implication that 
any character named John in any movie is named after John Carpenter? Well, that's not the implication. No, I know, was... I know, I know. But you say that just made me think, like, what if that was true of every movie, yeah. John? John McClane, named after John Carpenter from Die Hard. John Wick, same thing. President John Taft. <laughs> okay, we got there. Uh, Rimshot any other... roll credits. Deb- Debbie from Debbie Does Dallas, named after Deborah Hill. Hill. Debbie from he... Little Debbie. Yeah, the family stuff was crazy. The dad was like the hugest bastard ever, and it felt so good to see him like get it in the end, right? Yeah, th- that felt like a like a classic '80s slasher to me. I loved when he was on screen because I knew he was gonna get it, and I don't think you often get that in '90s, 2000s horror movies where you just have someone that is so despicable. And, yeah. uh, and and the point is that you're going to see some scenes of them being despicable so that when they get it, it's really satisfying. Uh, yeah. so, so that that felt really cozy to me. That was that was proper slasher fare. I liked that. Liam, what do you think of Kara? <laughs> <laughs> uh, immediately when she was on screen, I was like, wow. Um, and then all throughout the movie, I mean, she had acting chops like when she finds her two friends dead in the bed. I don't know yeah. why she pulled back the covers because she knows they're going to be dead under there, but she get her, it. This is um, her brother. Yeah, that wasn't a friend. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then, but her friend was with uh, with the bro. I think that was his girlfriend. I thought they could be friends. I guess I don't know. Yeah. yeah come on. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Her her reaction when she pulled pulled back the covers, I thought that, that was super believable, which is also something you don't get a whole lot in quote unquote bad slasher movies. And so I thought I just thought she was really really likable and um having a likable protagonist in a slasher movie really goes a long way uh i think it's it's why i love halloween 4 whereas halloween 5 sort of slips through the cracks for me um and and it's why this one is now going to be memorable now that i've uh i've really taken note of some of the characters in this movie because i thought she was a catch in casting i thought she was great yeah what about uh danny oh you mean discount danny torrance Yes. You mean you mean Danny named after little Debbie? <laughs> <laughs> named after small Debbie. So so we're we're like 6 years after Halloween 4 and 5 and um we've got Jamie Jamie Lloyd is the the girl in that named after character named after Jamie Lee Curtis and the actress is Danielle Harris and she's like 10 years old and she's probably the best actor in both of those movies. Oh yeah, she's yeah. great, and she's also in the the Rob Zombie one. She plays the Annie role in the Rob Zombie Halloweens too, which was kind of a cool throwback. But um, yeah, she was fantastic. And then in this movie, we get this kid named Danny, who I think they did the name thing again. They named him Danny after Danielle Harris, after John Carpenter. And uh, mm. no offense to this kid, uh, not at that level. I'll offend. Like, not at the... I'll offend a kid. Okay, he's not a kid anymore. I guess it's fair game. He's to not pick on something he did when he was a child. He's not great. Yeah, what's he up to? Not much, I bet. Devin Gardner. He's probably known, on a sitcom. Known for Halloween: Curse of Michael Myers and 1999's A Kid Called Danger. That sounds pretty fucking tight, actually. And he made a short. <laughs> he made That's... a short called The Bear. He made it himself in 2010, not when he was a child. In 2010, he does not have a picture on IMDb. 
he might still be a child. <laughs> we can't rule it out. Maybe he's got a, a Benjamin Button's disease and he's just getting younger. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at, the, at the point that he made Halloween Curse of Michael Myers, he had already been alive for 80 years. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was 80. <laughs> that's, why his, <laughs> that's why his performance was so lifeless. <laughs> Um, really giving for, it to this poor kid. He's well, an adult now, and he probably had a decent income. Oh, well, here I, I got his back a little <laughs> bit. I actually, I I didn't notice. Uh, I, I would say he's not on Danielle Harris's level because she's just outstanding. But I I didn't notice anything that um that made me think he wasn't doing a good job. Uh, to the contrary, I liked when he dropped the pumpkin right when he ran into into uh tommy in an homage to the original um i just remember thinking in this scene man this is kind of a he's, he's a cute kid he's got like expressive eyes and so i liked i liked that scene and then the only other one that comes to my mind is in the climax um in the sanitarium when he's hiding just out of michael's reach and uh and and Michael is trying to squeeze through to come for him, and he's just screaming for his mom. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, I guess one of the easier things to do as an actor when you're a kid is just to kind of scream and cry. But I thought I thought that was pretty convincing. So who among so us go, has not Danny. screamed? While a man tried to reach <laughs> for us in a sanitarium. Just just generally. Yeah. <laughs> I may I may not have. You've never screamed. I don't think so. Like a blood curdling scream. No. Blood curdling. I don't emote a lot. You'll hear this Vincent Price guy. <laughs> I just wanna I just wanna counter those Danny scenes with a scene from the producer's cut when uh When Danny's Kara, replaced by a different boy. When Kara's strapped to the table in um the the Colt room mm. and wins at the head in this like Colt robe with giant shoulder pads and Michael's like to his left in the mask and Danny's to his right wearing a giant Barry kicks ass t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the funniest fucking image. There's no good reason they couldn't have got him a shirt that fits. Well, it was the style. It was the nineties baggy clothes were in. Yeah, man. but not that baggy. And Barry Sims may not sell youth like youth mediums in his t-shirts. That's true. But the kid was just such a big fan that he couldn't wait. A big fan of who? <laughs> Barry Sims. <laughs> Barry Sims. Corey. No, that one was a joke, you guys. Have you seen this? Have you heard of this? You, you heard of Barry Sims? Corey? Y'all hear about this? Y'all hear about this guy? <laughs> There's one. Uh, get this. Weird... Wrapped in Christmas lights, not even the right holiday. What a dork. <laughs> yeah, it was all that was also kind of another the sleazy, creepy guy gets what's coming to him, the the Barry Sims kill. Yeah. Why, pretty, why did he put him why did he put him in a tree though? That's the thing that I don't understand. How he, did he get? How did he get all the way up there? Tree did he like football without, throw? Like, did he get a perfect spiral on Barry Sims? Anybody know? Maybe he just like wrapped the lights around him and hoisted him up. Maybe everybody who saw listened to a competitor's radio show and they were way into it. Yeah, they just didn't give a fuck. They're like, oh, thank God. Yeah, thank God. Now I can listen to Sari Bims as much as I want. The whole crowd just pretended they didn't see it, but when the body <laughs> fell out of the tree, they were like, "Oh, oh no, no, scary! Somebody Let's run away!" Scary Barry, am I right? <laughs> in in regards to that tree thing, that's honestly the stuff about Michael Myers that bothers me more than any Cult of Thorn stuff is is just yeah. when he's doing something where I'm thinking, um, 
why or like what is going through his brain while he's doing these things like even controlled by cult of thorn or not like the thought of him wrapping barry in lights after he's killed him and putting him in a tree or like standing in uh the bathroom and giving someone a mm-hmm. towel as they shower like it's just it's 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 those moments of character where i don't quite understand where he is i think the reason i'm okay with the cult of thorn is that it still makes him purely evil um it, it sure it's it might be giving uh some origin for that evil and i understand how that takes some of the edge off for people but i can still see him as a consistent character but but a killer who is like a bit more clever and like entertaining themselves stuff like that feels a bit more ghost face than michael myers to me well i I, i'm gonna uh so again halloween one is fresh on my mind because i just watched it last night and he does similar stuff in that too yeah the sheet scene you're absolutely right yeah but not just that but like he stole like judith meyer's gravestone and then he like puts it on the bed and and poses uh annie i think in front of it yeah that's totally fair he he absolutely like he loves his job right (laughs) like he's you know yeah he's he's experimenting he's like a he's decorating almost so with blood i think maybe like blood um, blood i think maybe the spooktober man is here he was like a little like you know he's probably got a bit of like a kid mind um yeah and uh, i think maybe he he came up with like a fun limerick and he just wanted to actualize it like what if all of this was like he was just like um oh we've got like uh, we've got michael and barry throwing at a tree k-i-l-l-i-n-g and he's like that was pretty good I gotta put Barry in that fucking tree, dude. Are you calling that a limerick, Corey? <laughs> Incorrectly, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, but a, there once was a man from Smith's Grove <laughs> who wanted to chuck a man like who... a football. <laughs> we really need to teach Corey what a limerick is. <laughs> so, guys, I don't know if you've heard of this crazy new limerick I just came up with. It's called O Canada. <laughs> fucking crazy. You wrote that? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, now that you've reminded me of that stuff from the original, I think that's no, that's actually that's a really good point. It, it makes the tree thing um, uh, actually a lot more fun. You've made me like this movie even more than I did. Yes, that's what I'm saying. When I think I, when I like I like Michael in this, the way he it feels like old Michael. I don't know. Why do I feel yeah. like Neil is gonna take off? his face and reveal that he is Joe Chappelle. So what do you guys think of the mask in this movie? I think the mask looks really cheap. <laughs> yeah. Mask's not great. I don't think the mask mask is great. I think it's better. Was it five where the guy was a little, it was like really stretched out on the guy's face. This one felt a little loose, right? Like it he didn't looks like fit well. a guy that bought a mask. Yeah. From like yeah, a Spencer's like, gifts. Like it's like, you either like the tears you get like the premium mask it's like eighty dollars but then there's like the one that looks okay that's like thirty dollars and he's like i'm gonna steal that one <laughs> he's like i yeah. got the one that costs fifteen dollars <laughs> it's okay that mine's not movie quality because yeah. i'm not in a movie i'm the real michael myers he said out loud yeah. to no one in particular <laughs> uh yeah I'm, I'm with you i didn't really like the mask in this one either i didn't think it it fit the actor all that well and it kind of had well, like a, a a scowl to it there's mm-hmm. two actors as well, so maybe it fit neither of them very well. Oh, that's maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I think the the guy at the beginning was the bigger guy, and then they replaced him. 
George P. Wilbur is the OG, and then A. Michael Lerner was brought in for reshoots. Yeah, no, this was the guy who was in he was in Halloween four also, I think. Uh I don't know, but A. Michael Wh- Lerner George Wilbur. Oh George Wil- Wilbur. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, this guy was in uh, Barton Fink, Total Recall, and a Sylvester Stallone movie called Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Oh, classic. Oh, yeah, that is a classic. You guys can't say, what? What do you mean? You've never heard of that before? Um, well, I have currently. I'm hearing about it right now, if that's what you're that asking me. That was like a TNT mainstay back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I, I had it on VHS, and uh, I think the legend is that Arnold... Schwarzenegger kind of tricked Sylvester Stallone into being into it because uh being in it not into it Arnold uh and Sylvester kind of had a feud and Sylvester would like go for any movie that Arnold was going for and so Arnold told him he was really interested in this movie called Stop or My Mom Will Shoot that's so so funny so so (laughs) Sylvester did the movie and uh it's well it's it's what it it's what it sounds like Arnie still got it I will say George Wilbur has stunt got him. has stunt credits. Got him on Halloween four and five, and A yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street: The Dream Child, and nice. also Total Recall and The Exorcist three. All right, and a good track record. Hot Shots yeah, Part Deux, <laughs> and Casino. One. The movie he did before Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers was Casino. Well, you know, you got to take jobs when they come along. It's true. I mean, the... he, he's also in Reanimator and Fletch. Yeah, I uh, I mean, this is a stunt actor, you know, it's a, it's a bit different than uh, he's in fire. Look, looking at the filmography of others. He's I'm in so Die wrong. Hard. Okay. He, he was in The Notebook. Spider-Man. <laughs> this is how little Corey likes this. <laughs> All right, Corey, let's let's throw it back over to you. Say something about the movie. I mean, George P. Wilbur was in it, and he was also in Spider Man. <laughs> he was in Mars Attacks and Rush Hour, a movie called Cast a Deadly Spell, which sounds pretty tight. Um, Can I ask you a question, me? real quick? Sorry, who, I know we're giving who's it get- to Corey. Corey, I have a question for you, Corey. Did they? explain in the theatrical cut who the Stephen the baby's father is no okay Corey Corey is misremembering because the father was Barry Sims (laughs) (laughs) no no he's right they didn't explain it in the theatrical one okay do you know who the father is in the producer's cut I do Michael Myers yes are you kidding me nope are you fucking serious I'm serious how do the logistics of that work? Well, she was kidnapped when she was 10 and Michael's part of the cult and he had I don't like that. Michael impregnate. That's bad. His niece. That sucks a lot. I think the original script Win was supposed to be the father, but I guess in the theatrical cut since it's all clones and shit, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that shit's fucking bad though. Fuck that. I don't like that yeah. at all. Yeah, I don't like that either. It um, really wasn't necessary. George Wilbur was in Monkey Trouble. Corey, say something nice about <laughs> I do think um, there's a lot of uh, cool lighting near the end. The red okay. and the blue in that like weird industrial alleyway I liked quite yeah. a bit. There is some stuff I like about this movie. It's just it left no impression on me at all. 
Like, I barely remember parts of it. I'm telling you, Corey, you've got to watch it one more time. I've been there, bro. But that's not what this podcast is. I want to say I watched six and then producers cut. And I want to say when I first watched six, I didn't love it. And then I watched the producers cut and I was like, okay, this is a fun movie. And now they're, I just kind of flip flop back and forth when I do Halloween watches. So I think it is a grower, not a shower. He was in blazing saddles. (laughs) (sighs) Do you guys know mission impossible had a TV show? He was in that. I didn't know that. Is this a good podcast? Are we doing a good podcast? We don't know. We we never know. We'll fix it in post. Yeah. We'll fix the podcast so. in post by muting my audio. <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't like <laughs> and it. And then Corey. it's a podcast where two people actually talk about the movie. Yeah, like <laughs> I didn't loathe it. I just have nothing to say. It's con- we... it's confusing and bad. <laughs> okay, so should we talk about the Halloween resurrection? Verdict. Versus Halloween 6. Um, well, uh, I've shown because all the I evidence like... I need because it's all George Wilbur credits. Well, I've got I've got stronger evidence now. I think I, uh, I, I sort of planned this in our discussion to work in some of these finer points that uh, the reason I think Halloween 6 um, works better and feels is more fun as a slasher movie are, you know, the things like showing Michael Myers acting more like classic Michael Myers, the theatricality and things like that, that I think were largely missing in Resurrection. I think we got not one, but two good kills for vile people, Barry Sims and uh, John Strode, getting what's coming to them for being bastards. And that's a that's a, a slasher movie classic. That's what you want to see when you watch these. And then you've got some characters you really care about, like Kara, and for Liam, at least, Danny, who are in peril and you're rooting for them. We all think Paul Rudd's charming. We're rooting for him the whole time, too. They get away. And then you get a character who you loved and have been with throughout the series who finally kind of like meets his end, at least at the it's implied, at least at the end of the uh, theatrical cut. When uh, haven't, they, haven't they implied that when Loom- several when, times when Loomis when Loomis goes back in to kind of like end things and you just hear him screaming and dying at the hands of Michael Myers. And then the screen cuts to in loving memory of Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Weird choice, huh? (laughs) Yes. Kind of a weird fucked up choice for a real man that actually died. Well, he died before he could finish filming everything. That's kind of why that ending's a little choppy where they, he's just, they're just like, come with us. And he's like, I have to, I have some business to attend to. And then it just kind of cuts to that. But scene maybe, of the mask maybe on the they floor. didn't have to imply that. You know, whatever, it's fine. So in in the producer's cut, Paul Rudd stops Michael from chasing them by putting a bunch of runes down on the ground, which are positive runes to counteract the the thorn rune. That's extremely lame. It yeah. <laughs> and then uh, finally, something we can agree on. Wind comes out and. Michael apparently like chokes Wynn and switches clothes and takes the man in black outfit. Donald Pleasance comes back in, takes thinks it's Michael on the ground, takes the mask off. It's actually Wynn. Wynn's not dead. The thorn tattoo appears on Donald Pleasance's arm, and then he starts screaming. What? And that's how and that's how that movie ends. <laughs> so what did he get possessed by? Pure evil. Is that apparently, the implication? 
I think the implication is that he ended up inheriting the curse of Thorn. Uh oh. Well, at least he's um. I guess there's really no to... plus side for that, huh? Well, he's at the end of his life, at least. So at, at least he's got a cool tattoo. It's <laughs> pretty. Yeah. Um, Thinking about get actually that would be I might get that. Don't do that. That'd be kind of dope. It wouldn't. Right. I'm a, I'm actually I'm with you, Neil. I love simplistic tattoos like that. I think that would be a really cool. I do too. I just know. I just don't know if you want to immortalize the cult of Thorn from Halloween's four through six. Just Halloween six, and I think kind of in five. I stand by my statement. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Let's do it, Neil. Let's both get it on our ankle. Done. We'll be Thorn Bros. We'll be Thorn Bros for life. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, you did. I did it, and you didn't do it. <laughs> oh, I just got the word thorn. <laughs> do I make you thorny, baby? <laughs> do you know George Wilbur was in The Running Man as an actor? I think I made my case for Halloween 6. I like it because it feels like a batshit Halloween movie. Halloween Resurrection feels like an impotent Halloween movie. My whole argument is that only one of these movies involves somebody getting kicked out of a window. Somebody jumps but, out of a window, but it's not the same. I rest my case. I think I made a stronger case, but what do you think, Liam? Well, it's tough. I've listened to both sides here. I have learned a lot because here's the thing. I can't just pick one of you and say that aligns with my beliefs because I like Halloween Resurrection. And here I am also liking the curse of Michael Myers. So I would say... I most understand where Neil is coming from. Can I add one more piece of evidence? Yes. Yeah. It only has a 10 on Metacritic. Oh, of course, but what does does Resurrection have on Metacritic? Yeah, he's Uh, withholding that information. I actually don't know is the problem. Classic defense attorney move. (laughs) Yeah, the classic move of withholding evidence. 19, baby. (laughs) Nearly double. I am shocked. I, li- I like Resurrection, and I'm shocked. I I knew that this movie was right down there with it because people don't like the the Cult of Thorn stuff. But I thought for sure Resurrection. I've got, I've got was two. At the I've bottom. got two other arguments actually. I know we said we were done, but I lied. You're allowed to do that in church at least once. I mean, court. <laughs> in church, God, God, don't smite me yet. Fuck. <laughs> I need a second. <laughs> I was taking a sip of water with <laughs> That was okay, well um The Church of Thorn. <laughs> went up my nose. Um only one of these movies has JB Lee Curtis in it. Am I right? Yeah, and she was you're, treated with and she you're was right, tr- but treated with disrespect. I am I'm absolutely with Neil on that one. I don't like Halloween Resurrection because Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. In fact, I would probably like it more if she wasn't. Now, okay. Honestly, I've got I think one, I would have too. I've got one more thing. Buster Rhymes has yeah. an air horn. Does he have six to eight discrete ones? Um, He might hit it a lot, but I, I don't know how many he owns. Okay, I think I've lost. Can a defense yeah. attorney say that? I can see. I'm gonna have to take the L on this. You can withdraw. You can withdraw your case. Hey, Mikey, come here for a second. Can I talk to you, guys? Just give me a second. I'm wait here with Mikey. All right. Okay. So, uh, I tried, but uh, I'm gonna level with you, dude. Shit's kind of fucked up. So I'm just gonna. I'm gonna get out of here. 
And uh, I think I'm going to do really well in prison because you're really big. So I think I think I'm good to go. And I'm just going to dip. Okay, see you. Okay, I think we're, yeah, we're going to get out of here, I think. Wait, Mikey. Mikey, put those Christmas lights down. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh, no! Um, that was my right, long-term well, goal. In so, memory. In loving where... memory, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, let me say this. Let me say this. Um, being someone who likes Resurrection and Curse of Michael Myers, I think I'm just learning that I... Contain multitudes? I contain multitudes. Um, I like Michael Myers. I guess I don't have like a deep attachment to what he stands for. Um, He's he's just like one of those iconic characters that I think I like to see reused and see what gets done with him. Now, I'll... For my for me to really know what I'm talking about, I would want to rewatch Halloween Five, which uh, and even H2O. Neil, I would rewatch H2O because those are now the only two kind of hanging in the balance where I think I don't really like them that much. And since this was one of those movies, and now I've swayed, I would I would watch those other two to confirm and see how I feel about them and if I don't like them, what it is. But right now, I'm I'm just thinking I like. Michael Myers, I I like um, I like seeing him bop around in the darkness. <laughs> uh, I would much rather watch the Curse of Michael Myers in October for sure. This is much more of a proper Halloween movie. It feels like October. Um, I also think the Curse of Thorn stuff, while it might be unnecessary and um trying too hard i think it is noble that it is really doing the doing this task of looking back on everything and trying to wrap it up and give it some sort of explanation you know it it does it feels a bit fan fictiony but i i respect the attempt i mean there are so many movies out there where someone is just a psycho killer and that's all they are and maybe michael myers should be one of those but i also I'm not against giving this a try, especially because after this, I mean, the the franchise has been rebooted, what, like three times? So, something like that. So, yeah. so it's, it's, it's worth the shot, and then it doesn't work, you know? You try something else. Um, being a big fan of Twin Peaks, I am sort of down with the idea that someone who is entirely evil can get that way because they have been influenced by some sort of supernatural entity a la killer bob so um the michael myers thing being influenced by cult of thorn i'm not totally against it um so with that kind of big hurdle out of the way i was just able to enjoy this as a fun october movie and when it comes to halloween resurrection um i like that we're talking about that so much i think at this point we can do a fun thing where every year for halloween we'll do a halloween movie and then we compare it to the previous halloween (laughs) movies it's a ranking that's gonna take like 12 years for us to fully complete um but resurrection uh i think it's just like goofy popcorn fun but i i i like it so much in that way that i would never 
uh, and this is why I stayed quiet for a lot of the beginning part of the podcast. I would never try to convince someone why it's good or like really go to bat for it, um, especially in comparison to the other movies in the franchise. The liking that I have for that movie is just, I think, really personal. Um, whereas this movie, I think, has a bit more merit that's rooted in the franchise. So uh, I like them both. That's where that's where that's where I stand right now. Tune in next year to see where we're at. <laughs> I just want to be be clear. Like I I like Resurrection. Well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe maybe that's overstating it a bit. So if we take all the Halloween, anything that connects to the, like the John Carpenter Halloween one and anything that connects to that, right? So you take like Halloween three out because it's its own thing and you take the Rob Zombie movies out because it's a, you know, a reboot, like a full on reboot remake. And you just look at like the, um, what does that leave us with? Uh, nine so far, I think. If I listed those in order of quality, um, six and resurrection are the bottom two on that list. They're eight and nine. They're not higher on the list. But if I sit down and I'm going to watch all nine of these these movies, uh, I don't skip it. Like I don't skip resurrection. So I just want it out there that like it's fine. I don't hate it. That sounds like you conceding, but whatever. <laughs> Court. Imagine that in a courtroom where at the end, like everyone just kind of gives up and they all just go home happy. They're like, you know what? We all shared our points. We have a greater understanding. Well, I've already been killed by my client, so take it up with him. I will say the the Halloween movie I probably watched the least out of all of those is Halloween five because it's just kind of in the middle, right? Like it really is, I think, right in the middle of my list. It's not so bad, it's good. But it's also not very good, you know? It's just kind of like, nah, whatever. So I think that, you know, uh, uh, I love a I love a well-done slasher, and I love a, a insane, crazy slasher, and I love an outlier, too. And even if the ones I don't like that, like, aren't good movies, if they're, you know, I'll still watch them because they're not boring, right? Howling Resurrection isn't really boring. I may have said it was earlier. It's not boring. That's perjury. It just doesn't feel like a Halloween movie to me. That's my big issue with it. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's right up there with Halloween three in feeling like an outlier. Even then, Halloween three feels more like a Halloween movie because it is very much of the holiday. It just yeah. happens to not have Michael in it. So. Also, full of all kinds of like Celtic cult shit in it too. That's true. Yeah. My closing statement is that George Wilbur was in Suburban Commando. I rest my case. My my closing statement is that I might like Halloween 6 more because when Friday the 13th did Jason Goes to Hell and did the movie where they try to explain his evil, it was terrible. And so Halloween 6 is... I think they should have sent Michael Myers to hell. The least I can say about Halloween 6, if you really like push me, I would say... It's better than Jason Goes to Hell. So, um, y'all ever heard of this Michael Myers guy? Does he make you thorny, baby? Stop. I don't like that. You stop. You stop. You stop. One of the courtrooms devolved into you stop. <laughs> Parking lot after after court, 4 o'clock. 
you're dead meat. <laughs> I almost said school that time. Like, I keep thinking court is different places. You can't fight in church either. I think the podcast is over. Thank you all once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and why Halloween Resurrection is the superior film. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And our custom-made soundboard clips are courtesy of Jason DeLine, you can find on Instagram at DeLineMan. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And Neil, where can people find your stuff? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Final Neil with an A. Uh, it's a play on Final Nail. Uh, because this podcast, turns out, was actually the final nail in my coffin. That's a reference to another show that I do with Corey, where we uh, watch and discuss the 1998 live-action Mortal Kombat TV series, Mortal Kombat Conquest. That show's called MK PodQuest. You can find it pretty much everywhere you can get podcasts, except Apple Podcasts right now, because they're really sleeping on us. Yeah, it's a more of this, but with cricket sound effects and stuff if you want more this but we focus on the minutiae of mortal Kombat lore good news it's a good good time you can find me on that podcast and you can also find me on twitter and letterbox at mr Corey price case dismissed And Michael's everywhere. They're all awesome powers, Michael. Blood. Blood, baby. (laughs) Do I make you bloody? The mask is... Ew, dude. (laughs) What? (laughs) Do I make you bloody, baby? (laughs) Why is that you? He fucking stabs people. Okay. (laughs) What the fuck did you think I was talking about? This is this on. is genuine confusion. <laughs>